You're listening to Unexpected, the podcast bringing you real conversations from those of us who have suffered pregnancy and infant loss. With comfort and hope for the future, I'm your host, Ashley Bitterman. Today I'm talking to Lainey, who takes me through her story of learning her baby Hudson had died in utero at 41 weeks, the devastation of the aftermath of a stillbirth, and how her faith was affected by her experience. So, Lainey, you are joining all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. Thank you so much for for making the time and being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to speaking with you and hearing your story. I found you on Instagram and it seems like you have a lot of courage sharing your story and a lot of strength keeping you going and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about you and your story. Um, but before we begin, let's lighten the mood with one, two, three. So one thing you can't live without, two of your all-time favorite movies, and three celebrities you'd want to have dinner with. Ooh. One thing I can't live without, probably my dog. Sorry, Daniel. It's my husband. <laughs> I'm the same exact way, and my husband knows he's second to my dog, Sophie. Fine. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, man. Okay. Two of my all-time favorite movies. Um, One is The Holiday. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, And two is probably The Proposal. Oh, okay. They're, like, kind of in the same (laughs) genre-ish. Kind of, kind of. Rom-com. Yeah, exactly. Good choices. Good choices. My favorite genre. And three celebrities you'd want to have dinner with. Hmm. Probably Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Again, <laughs> sorry, Daniel. Um, Sandra Bullock. Mm, good one. And Chris Evans. Ooh, yes. I feel like he is underrated and not talked about enough. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's talk about you a little bit. Can you kind of tell me what your childhood, your upbringing was like and kind of what your life is like now? Yeah, so I grew up um, in Seattle, Washington and um, my mom and dad and brother, little brother still live there. Um, and yeah, I kind of grew up in a quiet home, went to church had lots of family around, cousins, aunts, uncles, like my mom's whole side of the family lived within a 20 mile radius. So yeah, I was really close to all of my family growing up. Um, And uh, just was raised with good morals and values and um, kind of just found my foundation of my faith um, in my growing up. And yeah, I think, um, a lot of who I am now is because of my family and how I grew up. Um, but yeah, now I live in, uh, Anchorage, Alaska with my husband, Daniel and our dog, Gadsden. Um, and, uh, we had our son 
Hudson um, last September. So it's been a little over a year now since um, he was born and since he died. And um, yeah, we don't have a lot of family around us. So it's definitely hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel kind of grew up without his family around, but uh, so he's sort of used to that. But I definitely miss my family. I'm sure, especially, I mean, it's one thing to move away. It's normal to miss your family, but to grow up in an environment where your whole family is within a 20 mile radius and then to move to Alaska and not have them close by must be just wildly different and very difficult. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely how uh, it's felt. And I'm very blessed because my mom comes up and visits pretty often and um, my dad and brother have been up to visit. My grandparents have come. Um, so I've had family come and visit, which is great. I just yeah, wish they were closer. <laughs> I totally get it. That's really nice, at least, that they are within a distance that they can come and visit. And so how did you find out you were pregnant? And what was your initial reaction? Yeah, so Daniel actually told me I was pregnant <laughs> before a test ever did. Um, Apparently we got back from our honeymoon and from our wedding and I was pretty emotional because I like, we had been in Seattle and seen our family. Um, and then we came back to Anchorage and I just missed them a lot, but he said that I was kind of like over emotional (laughs) and I was kind of irritated and he looked at me one day I think it was like three weeks after we'd gotten back from our honeymoon and he goes I think you're pregnant oh my god and I'm like no no I'm not and he's I'm like I'm not sick like I'm not nauseous or anything like I'm not pregnant and my breasts had been kind of tender and I was like I think I just have breast cancer like I think that's it I was like I just probably need to go in to see the doctor like oh my god (laughs) and he goes no you need to take a test so he went to Walgreens and brought back a pregnancy test he's like you need to here take this oh my god and so I took the pregnancy test it came back positive and I was like okay you were right you were right and I think we were both like pretty scared but also like so excited mm-hmm. um it was like oh this wasn't planned but also like this is pretty exciting because this um being parents was always part of the discussion mm-hmm. wanting to have kids has always been part of the discussion so um we when we were dating we had talked about kids of course and um we both really want a big family. And so we knew it wasn't long off, but we didn't think that we'd come back from our honeymoon pregnant. Yeah. That's a fun surprise. <laughs> right. Well, it's even funnier because I had joked about it with my parents because I was a honeymoon baby. Wow. Um, right. Yeah. My parents went to Puerto Vallarta and they came back. And my mom, they were like, oh no, you must have a parasite. I was the parasite. Oh my God. Okay. 
what was your, you said, um, you came back, it was three weeks later and you're like, I'm not sick. I'm fine. What was your pregnancy like? I was sick. I was so sick. <laughs> um, for like the first five months. Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean, I, well, it's kind of funny. So like after I took the pregnancy test, um, I immediately like called the doctor, like, Hey, I need to get in and just have like a confirmation um, of pregnancy and like check on baby, all the things. And the same day that our first appointment was, was the first day that I got sick. I don't know if it was because it was a conscious thing now, but I like took a bite of toast or something and immediately just got sick. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and yeah, so it was like a hazy type of sick. Like I like back on it and I was just like kind of muddling through and I was like, oh yeah. But um, and you know, it was a really healthy pregnancy. Um, like I was healthy, Hudson was healthy, and it was kind of like it was a hard pregnancy on my body. Mm-hmm. Um I had all sorts of things. Like I had gestational carpal tunnel. Who knew that was a thing? Never I didn't know that. I mean, I've heard yeah. of carpal tunnel, but not gestational carpal tunnel. Yeah. Really weird. Yep. I had gestational carpal tunnel. I, um, yeah, I was, like I said, I was super sick. I had kind of like really itchy skin, like yeah. just dry skin. Yeah, I had all sorts of fun stuff, but like nothing, nothing detrimental to the pregnancy. Right. Like they, other than a few of these like hiccups, I'll call them, it was a relatively normal pregnancy. Like there was nothing, was it considered a high risk pregnancy in any way? No, nope. I actually, um, I, because it was not a high risk pregnancy, I was able to have a midwife all the way through because I didn't feel like the OB that we were seeing um, was listening. Mm-hmm. I felt like really not heard and kind of, it was, it felt like he was telling me what I needed to do instead of listening to what I wanted to do mm-hmm. um, for like a birth plan and things like that. Um, and I was so much happier the day we switched to a midwife. She was amazing. I loved her. (laughs) That's so important to have someone that you're comfortable with that you think is listening to you, supporting you, understands what you need, what you want. So I'm glad that you were able to find that through your experience. So you had a pretty normal pregnancy what happened? How, what went wrong and when? Yeah. So we decided to have a birth center birth, um, instead of going to the hospital. So, um, I was 41 weeks. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was 41 weeks pregnant with Hudson. Um, I thought he was going to come early because I, my like my mom had both my brother and I early I just thought he was gonna come early but he did not 
Um, and so I really wanted to do things kind of a natural way mm-hmm. um, in birthing. And so I was like, no drugs. I'm going to do this old fashioned. <laughs> Dang, it hurt. Okay. <laughs> like, birthing sucks. Oh my but it's great. Um, so yeah, I went into labor on um, September 22nd, the night of September 22nd. And this was naturally, we went into labor. Yes. Yeah. Um, The contraction started really um, intense. Mm -hmm. And so we went into the birthing center. Um, I wasn't dilated very far. I think I was at a two or a three. Okay. And so um, my midwife was like, okay, we're going to try some natural things to kind of get labor going. My water had not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it was really great because I was able to have my mom there and Daniel's parents hopped on a little bush plane and came into town. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a big event. My best friend was there. Um, It was a party in the birth center. It was great. (laughs) Um, But then on the night of the 23rd, labor kind of stalled. It kind of stalled out. And so my midwife said, you know, like, hey, it might be a good idea to go home and get some sleep. Hmm. Because like, your body is obviously really, really tired. I think that it would be beneficial for you to go home. She's like, a a hospital would send you home at this point because you aren't dilated far enough. Um, Your contractions have stopped. They're not, you know, close together or anything. They're coming very few and far between and they're not as intense as they were. So her best advice was um, to go home, get some rest. And so we went home, we slept, we got up on the morning of the 24th, September 24th. Um, I was like itching to just have him out. I'm like, okay, come on, come on. Like at this point, you know, two days in labor, I'm like, you know, and being reassured by everyone, like this is completely normal when you um, are doing this naturally and it's your first baby, your body is not used to this. It's usually a long labor. And so I was like, all right, all right. And like, um, when we were at the birth center, like, um, my midwife was checking the heartbeat all the time, like never a high blood pressure on me. Um, always a strong heartbeat on Hudson. And so like, we were pretty, um, confident that everything was okay. Yeah. So, um, the morning of the 24th, we got up and I was like, all right, maybe I should go to the chiropractor. Like maybe that'll help things get moving. So I went to the chiropractor, um, and set a meeting to go to the birthing center, um, just to get heart rate, um, on Hudson and check my BP. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning where we knew something was wrong. We went to the birth center and our midwife could not find a heartbeat on Hudson. And she was like, okay, we don't know anything yet. 
go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital. And what, what goes through your mind at that moment when everything's been totally normal so far, you went home, you got rest, and then they can't find a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, I think my first thought was like, oh, like he must have like slid down, right? Like maybe she just can't find his heartbeat. Like maybe it's just a fluke, right? Like maybe we just need the bigger tech at the hospital, right? Yeah. And then we got in the car and like, I had, like, it really hadn't hit me that anything could be wrong until we got in the car. And I just looked at Daniel and started sobbing. And I'm like, what if he's not okay? What if he's not okay? I just kept saying it over and over. And he's like, we don't know anything. It's okay. Like, it'll like, but he's probably is okay. We just, we just have to get to the hospital. And he like tried so hard, but I think we both knew. Mm. I think we both knew that he was not okay. I walked, I got out of the car and I just like waddled myself inside as fast as I could. Daniel's trying to still like figure out the car. He has to go park it. And by then I'm already in a room. They're already doing ultrasound and they look at me and they say, there is no cardiac movement. I am so sorry. Mm. And the next thing I knew was like an out of body experience. It was like, these primal sounds were just coming out of me. Like I was just sobbing and like, I think I was really just screaming. I like did not even know what was coming out of me. Um, Like, how could this happen? You know, like it was a healthy pregnancy. He was a healthy baby. Like, how could this happen? And Daniel recounts when we talk about it that he didn't even have to ask where the room was. He heard me when he walked into the hospital and he came to be by my side. And I just was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's like, baby, it's not your fault. Like, it's not your fault. Like, and he's just sobbing and I'm just sobbing. And the next step was to get us into a private room Um, and we decided that we wanted some time with our family um, before having to um, do the hardest thing that we ever had to do Um, and so like they had to kind of get around the hospital staff had to get around some of the um, administrative issues mm-hmm. with letting us out of the hospital to see other people and then coming back in. I see. And so they kind of opened up right outside the hospital. They kind of opened up an area for us to go out and our parents were there and um, a friend from church was there and they just like hugged us as we just cried. Like there were no words. So did they know at that point what had happened to your family? Like how how did they find out 
Yeah, so on the very short drive to the hospital while I'm just panicking in the car, like what if he's not okay, right? Daniel calls my dad and is like, hey, um, we're on our way to the hospital. They couldn't find his heartbeat. And then my dad joins in with the, hey, you guys don't know anything yet. Lainey, take a breath, take a breath. And um, when at the hospital, Daniel texted my dad and just said he didn't make it. Mm. And they rushed over and like let Daniel's parents know and um, let our friends know. Like it was just devastating. And Mm. so. And just so unexpected. I mean, you. So unexpected. Heard his heartbeat. Everything was fine. It's just completely out of the blue. And how do you even process something like that? It makes no sense. Yeah. No, it made no sense. You know, like our nursery was ready for him. Our arms were ready for him. Like everything was ready for him to come home. And just the worst possible thing that could ever happen to anyone happened. You know, it just, we never saw it coming. So we're standing outside and in retrospect, it kind of, when I'm kind of looking at it, it's like a moment in a sad movie where the rain is just pouring Mm. and the tears were just flowing. Like it was just uncontrollable sobs. It was such a visceral reaction, right? Like at that point, there was nothing rational about life, right? Like, so nothing rational in our responses, just sobbing. Um, So we were able to, pretty sure it was against rules, but we were able to get one other person in there besides Daniel and I uh, as a support person. So my dad came in to the hospital with us. Okay, good. Yeah. And so they put us in the dreaded room away from all of the other rooms in L and D of course for privacy. Um, They started me on Pitocin and I had to be convinced to get an epidural. I was like, I should feel all of the pain. I am like, I am feeling so much emotional pain right now. Like maybe I should just, maybe I deserve this pain. Like, you know, I'm like trying to think about it. I'm like, you know, like maybe I deserve this pain. I shouldn't, I don't deserve an epidural. Like, Oh my goodness. No. And so like my husband, Daniel was like, baby, like do it for me. Like, I don't want to see you in pain. I don't want to see like, you are, this is, this is so much pain. Like you don't need this. And so with much protest, I got an epidural. They started me on Pitocin to induce labor and we were in there for probably 10 hours is my guess before I gave labor or gave birth um, or was in active labor. And so from 4 p.m. 
to 8 a.m. the next morning. Um, we were in the hospital and um, I did not give birth until 8.36 a.m. Oh on September 25th. So what happens during those hours of, you know, most people are experiencing that and there's this amazing light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And it's just this inevitable, the, the worst, as you said, the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. And you're just waiting there in pain. I mean, what, what do you do? Yeah. Um, it was just restless. Um, you know, like I kept being told like, Hey, you should get some sleep. You should get some rest. Like, how do you expect me to rest? How do you expect me to sleep? You know, I was just so restless and just wrestling with the fact that I had to give birth to a child that would never come home with me. I feel like it was the, you know, it was the beginning of questioning everything, Mm -hmm. everything that I'd ever believed to be true, right? came crumbling down right you bring home a baby at the end right you believe in god and he helps you through things and protects you right like all of these things you know to be true are no longer they no longer feel true yeah and so it was a lot of questioning like god why do you hate me like why why, why are you doing this to me? You know, like we prayed for Hudson every night that we would have a healthy baby, that, um, it would be a healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I had to pray for an alive baby. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, you and have to. yeah, yeah. It's totally against nature, you know? And So yeah, those were like a lot of the thoughts and just like, how can I go on living without him? Like I, I remember just praying for a miracle. I'm like, God, like maybe they're wrong, right? Like maybe, maybe he can just come out breathing. Maybe like you can, you can perform a miracle here. Right. And then a part of me was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, and this is pretty dark, but like, I was like, well, maybe I'll die during childbirth. Like maybe that's like one of the best possible outcomes. Cause I can't live through this. Wow. Right. And so just not even being able to fathom how I could live after loss. Wow. And then the time came to give birth to him. And I was so upset that I, like, I physically got sick. Mm. I, like, just started throwing up. And the nurses were like, oh, this is completely normal when when you're giving birth. And I was like, I don't think you understand. Like, this isn't, this isn't because I'm about to give birth. This is from emotional pain like and um yeah I 
just got really sick and I just said I can't do this I can't I can't I can't do this and Daniel just held my hand through all of it he I remember asking Daniel I was like are we going to be okay like are we going to be okay yeah he's like oh my gosh his response is something that like it still sticks with me like even in the hard days he's like baby this is so awful but you and me we're solid mm-hmm. like I'm not going anywhere we're solid <sighs> and in that moment like you know everything's just kind of rattling around in my head nothing's really sticking but like that stuck mm-hmm. that stuck yeah, it's so important to have at least that emotional support. And you went through something together, um, mm-hmm. which can bring you closer together. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. When I went to push, um, you know, I was just terrified, terrified because all night I had been imagining like, what was going to have to happen after I gave birth and he came out at 8 36 a.m and they laid him on my chest Mm. still so warm and I hadn't seen his face yet but I was just holding on to him Uh. eager to see what he looked like and then they held him up for me Mm. And I just have never seen anything more beautiful in my life. Hudson was the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. He looked just like me. Um, He had lots of little curls on his head. Wow. Yep. Um, Just like his mama. And um, he was a lot smaller than we thought he was going to be. He was only, he only weighed in at six pounds, um, but he was really long. Um, Yeah, he was 21 inches. So he was a long baby. Explains why I would feel him like punching my bladder and kicking my rib at the same time. (laughs) Totally makes sense now. Um, But yeah, oh my goodness. That little boy just completely stole our hearts from the moment we saw him. And um, it was really this moment of Daniel and I looking down at him as, as I'm holding him. And we're like, how are we going to live without him? Oh. Like, how can we not bring him home? Look how perfect he is. How do you answer that? Oh. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's just no response, you know, like there's no answer to how can, how can we do this? How can we live through this? Mm -hmm. How can we not bring him home? Like, it's just, it was surreal, I guess is the right word. Like just completely surreal. Um, There is, I'd say like, just pure denial of like, I bet how, like, I'm not going home without him. Like, I'm not doing this. 
um, we were able to have time with him for about four or five hours, um, which gosh, when you're, when you're looking forward to a lifetime with your child, I don't like four or five hours doesn't, it's, you know, it doesn't matter really if we had even had 12, 24, 36 hours, right? Like it doesn't matter. None of it's enough. None of it's enough. Um, but like those hours are just completely precious to us. You know, we got to dress him and we got to hold him and kiss him and hug him and tell him all the things that we love him and that we already miss him. And, um, you know, we had, um, there's this, the volunteer service in the hospital that takes pictures mm-hmm. um, of stillbirth babies. And she came in and took pictures of Hudson. And it's another one of those things where um, it will never, they'll, they'll never be enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are the most precious thing that we have of his, right? Um, to be able to look at him and see him and just the reminder, right? Like the physical reminder of like, he was here, he was here. And this is what he looked like, putting a face to the name. Um, but I have caught myself getting so angry that they're all I have and that there will never be more. <sighs> Like, you know, the 30 pictures that we have of him that are professionally touched up where he doesn't have blue lips and skin tearing, right? They will never be enough. Mm. Um, how, how could that be? That's, that's not what you go into this thinking that you're going to come out with five hours and 30 photos. You know, yeah. You're expecting the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Do they know what went wrong? No, they don't. That um, it's kind of a catch-22 where it's like, I'm not sure if um, having something to blame would have been better to say like, or to at least have something to know like, oh, this, this is what went wrong, mm-hmm. right? But they tested me. They did a biopsy on the placenta. Mm-hmm. They um, did an autopsy on Hudson. All were completely normal. Um, wow. They cannot find any reason for oh. Hudson's death. And so I feel like that is something that's been really hard for me to get my mind around, that there is nothing to look at and say, oh, this is where it went wrong. This is what happened. Right. And next time, because Daniel and I do want to have more kids, but to look at and be like, next time we can do x y and z to prevent this from happening 
Right. There's just no reason. You know, they, they looked at him and they said, he is completely healthy. He is a perfect baby. And my heart just shattered. Like if he's perfect, why don't I get to take him home? Why did his heart stop? I don't understand. It's Mm -hmm. just completely senseless. Yeah. So Lainey, how do you go back to life after an immense heartbreak, the worst pain that one can ever experience? (laughs) I don't think you do go back to life. You know, I think it's completely uncharted territory and it's about charting a new path that you never wanted mm-hmm. like you've ended up stranded on an island and you have no idea where you are what to do next and you're told okay survive <sighs> you know and um we ended up back at work two weeks after we lost Hudson. Wow. Yeah. Um, It was good and bad, I guess. It was a distraction from the immense pain we were in and also extremely difficult because we haven't processed any of it of course did you have a a burial or some sort of ceremony for Hudson so we had a memorial at our church um, and what that looked like was my dad stood up and said a few words um, about his grandbaby Mm -hmm. and um, so many of our friends came in our church family and um it was really supportive right Mm -hmm. we felt the support and love that we needed to but by no means did it feel like closure and I think a lot of people thought that possibly it would Mm -hmm. Um, it was more of it felt very supportive to have people there and like it let us know that we weren't alone in all of this we actually didn't go back to church for like three months after Hudson died um I don't know what it is about loss that just completely makes you feel isolated from the rest of the world Mm -hmm. like it's like the world is unsafe, leaving home is unsafe. And um, that's kind of how we felt was like, being at home was safe. There's nothing to trigger us. I mean, there's everything to trigger us and nothing at the same time, right? Um, And so like, that was another thing was like learning the lingo of loss, right? Like I had never talked about being triggered before I had never talked about you know having to have a toolbox of coping skills to get through my day yes Um, and what are what what's in that toolbox what does bring you any sense of comfort or help you heal in any way 
Um, now it's community, you know, having community of people to talk to and be supported by, um, reaching out when I need help, but also, um, not gaslighting my own emotions, Mm -hmm. um, giving myself permission to fall apart and to not be okay at all. Um, yes. I think also just taking time to process has been a really big deal um, in coping, like having set apart time to process and think about Hudson and um, kind of unpack the layers of grief that just get piled on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, having gone through loss, I experienced good days and I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing well. And then I have days where I'm just, I'm not as okay. And it's giving yourself permission that it's okay, that not every day has to be a good day. And I saw this analogy recently that I just, it really resonated with me in that grief doesn't get smaller. It's Mm -hmm. just that life gets bigger around you, Um, which I thought was interesting and really resonated with me in that the grief stays the same. The grief doesn't go away, Mm -hmm. but life continues to grow beyond that. Absolutely. Are there any affirmations or mantras that you tell yourself every day? I try and meditate every day. Hmm. That's something that I do. It's not necessarily telling myself the same thing, but um, my meditation um, is kind of bringing my spiritual self and my emotional self all together. And just for me, it's a very um, huge link with my faith as well. So um, for me, it looks like surrendering all the things that I can't control. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of um, been a huge help in processing and in Um, getting through my hardest days is this process of surrender and um, just saying like I can't control the things around me Mm -hmm. and I couldn't control Hudson dying and a lot of times I have to fight these lies that are in my head like like the it's your fault Lainey like I think that a lot like this this whole thing was your fault Mm. right like this whole horrible thing that happened it all comes back to you it's your fault Mm. and I feel that so deeply and so I've really worked on fighting those lies right because um I feel like People can tell you things over and over and over again, but until you believe them yourself, 
or speaking them to yourself, you're not going to believe it. It's so true. And it's, it's great that you are, you have these tools that you're referring to. And it sounds like this is the hardest thing you'll likely ever go through. And most people will never go through it and nobody should ever have to go through it. Mm-hmm. And there's no roadmap. There's no navigation and everybody will deal with it differently. And that's okay. But it does sound like you have given yourself permission to feel the things that you need to feel when you need to feel them. And I think the, it's my fault is so normal to feel like that. It's so normal to want to just put blame and say, this was my fault and find some way to challenge, to channel the anger into something. Mm -hmm. And the easiest thing to do is blame yourself. And I, I know what you're saying is that people can tell you over and over, and I'm sure they have, that it's not your fault and you've done nothing wrong. And you created a, the best environment that you could have for Hudson. But I think it's important that you eventually do believe that yourself. And I, and there is no timeline for that. You do that on your own terms. No one can tell you how to feel or when to feel, but hopefully enough people tell you enough times that you do start to believe it and that you can tell yourself that and it actually resonates. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's kind of manifesting, right? Like kind of manifesting this belief um, from the affirmations, right? That you're telling yourself. And And if those things you're telling yourself are all lies, that's what's gonna manifest, right? Those are the things that are going to um, take hold. And, you know, I, in the very beginning, um, when grief was so fresh, I can remember just this huge fear of becoming bitter. And like, I didn't want to be someone that lets something so horrific turn them bitter. Mm. And so I think that is something that I've really worked on because how can you not become bitter, right? Like, how do you not let your heart become hardened in certain places at least, right? If not the whole thing. Right. And so it's been something that I've really had to be cognizant about and really, um, really kind of work on every day because even at certain points, I'll feel myself just getting really bitter about things. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) I don't want to be that person. Okay. I so admire that in you. It sounds like you have your compass is headed in the right direction, is pointing in the right direction, because I think it's much easier to give into that. And rightfully so, you know, of course, why wouldn't you be bitter, angry all the time? But 
it's really admirable that you've made the decision that that's not, you're not going to let that take over. And sure, you'll have moments and you'll probably always have moments. But the fact that you're even able only a year later to catch yourself in those moments and kind of rewire and change the thought is really, really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I actually think that um, seeing my therapist has been really good. <laughs> yeah. In that regard too. Um, of just being very introspective. Like, I think I'm a pretty naturally introspective person, but then having someone else pointing out even more um, things in me that I don't necessarily see and saying, oh, hey, like, maybe we can work on this together. How do you honor Hudson's life? I feel like everyone has a different way to honor their child that has passed. And for me, Daniel and I feel like it's really honoring to Hudson when we talk about him. Mm -hmm. Like we hope that everyone knows about Hudson, right? Mm -hmm. We're like telling friends, coworkers, brand new people that we meet off the street. They're like, yeah, we have a son. His name is Hudson. Oh. You know? And uh, I think um, it's really, really precious um, when at church, the, the little kids at church, they all know who Hudson is. And it is really precious when they come up to us and they're like, I miss Hudson. And it just kind of melts our heart. We're like, you remember him. Like you're thinking about him, you know? And it makes his life and his existence real, yes. right? Like it honors him and um, it just feels really good when other people start talking about him. That's so nice. It's not just, you know, of course he will always be part of your lives, but to know that he's also part of other people's lives is really special. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like, um, you know, when people randomly text me or um, message me on Facebook or whatever, and they're like, hey, I was thinking about Hudson today. That just makes my whole day. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I haven't talked to you in three years and you're, (laughs) and you're thinking about my baby boy, like that just makes my day. That's so nice. And that's a good reminder for everyone because I think something that a lot of us can relate to is the fact that right after loss, everyone is flooding you with love and support and messages and gifts, Mm -hmm. but then it slowly starts going away and they've done their part, you know, but it's, a great reminder that, you know, you're still going through it on a day-to-day basis and checking in and mentioning Hudson. Those are the, the little things that make a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think it's really important to, to let your supporters know what helps and what doesn't. At the beginning of our conversation, you talked about that you want, you both really want a big family and that you are still trying. What gives you hope for the future? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, Daniel and I have been trying for another baby since December. <clears throat> and so it has been really discouraging that we haven't gotten pregnant yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I continuously remind myself that it has only been just over a year. My body has had to recover. Yes. And um, something that gives hope to the future is that, you know, like Daniel said, when we were in the hospital, like we're solid. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I didn't lose Hudson and my husband. Yes. And so like having his constant support, um, has brought me a lot of hope and the connection that we have. I mean, we've only been married for not even two years and it feels like we've been together for 20. It's amazing. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, we have been through so, it feels like so many seasons of life together. Um, grief really grows you up. Yes, sure does. I've really tried to put my hope in God. Um, which hasn't been an easy journey because, you know, it's felt like a lot of betrayal and mistrust uh, sure. between myself and God, right? Yeah. And so that has been a whole journey in its own this last year oh, of sure. redefining what my faith looks like, redefining what um, the relationship between God and I is. Like, okay, who are you? Like, because you're so much different than I thought you'd be. I honestly think that it's grown my faith because I've, because I've asked questions because I haven't just said, oh, like, yeah, something bad happened to me, but I still believe in God. Like, no, I questioned everything. I screamed at him and I was like, I'm mad at you. And I'm so angry with you. And I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so it's been a continuous relationship. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I have not arrived by any means, like yeah. I am still working on that relationship and still building my trust, um, you know, and like, I question things all the time. But. I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure you do. And I do not blame you at all. Lainey, it has been such a pleasure to chat with you. I am so sorry. We have to chat under these circumstances, but you have been so inspiring and I'm so sorry to hear about Hudson but I'm I'm so happy to hear that you're really doing everything you can to honor him and other people are doing that for you as well and for Hudson that's really nice and that's really special and I hope you continue on this journey of being introspective because I think it's leading you in the right direction. And I wish you all the best in a healthy pregnancy, a healthy baby, but always keeping Hudson's memory alive.
Thank you, Ashley. It's been a pleasure being on. Thank you for listening to Unexpecting. Join our community by following us on Instagram at Unexpecting Podcast. If you'd like to share your story on our show, email us at unexpectingpodcast at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash unexpecting. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. And remember, today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows. Take care.